It's been hard to keep up on all the news lately. I mean, are we knee deep in a trade war with China or our NAFTA partners? Or is everything on smooth waters? It seems to change daily. But it's that constant chatter that's creating the news today. And some of that chatter even impacting the market prices. It's also that chatter that for us as journalists make for some pretty interesting headlines. And it's interesting headlines that's creating a lot of noise among farmers and ranchers. It's headlines like, will we see $5 corn this year? I even saw one about $8 corn this year. And then once you read that headline and those hit, Twitter blows up with reaction. Some of that reaction because the reader actually read the story. And some of that reaction premature because the reader didn't read the story, only read the headline. But let me let you in on a little secret. Headlines are what creates clicks. But headlines are not the gospel. You have to read the entire story before you form an opinion. So in order to get the entire story, I want to get insight from analysts who I enjoy having on U.S. Farm Report. Naomi Bloom, and she today is going to try to provide some clarity in the midst of all the confusion on No Man's Land, shining the spotlight on women in agriculture while empowering all women in agriculture, going where no man has gone before. All right, here now on No Man's Land. Very excited to have Naomi Bloom of Stuart Peterson. And if you ever watch U.S. Farm Report, then you see Naomi. Definitely a joy always to have her on. Naomi, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Naomi, last time you were on, um, it was actually Mother's Day weekend, and you were talking about corn prices. And, you know, we heard all this rhetoric about $5 corn, $8 corn. I mean, all of these things that hit the headlines. But you were very real when you were on the show saying, listen, 450 is really going to be key resistance, and I have the information to back it up. Naomi, go into that a little bit. I mean, do you think that that is still the case today? Very much is the case, without a doubt. So, the 450 number that I was referring to is in regards to the December futures contract. So if you look at a weekly chart, uh, 450 has been the high for the past three years, and the market has just had a hard time getting above those levels. Um, and so that's going to continue to be not only a potential target for the upside, but a big ceiling. And in order for the market to get above 450 for the December futures contract and for all the contracts, too, along those lines, it's going to take bad weather in the United States, bad weather in China, and bad weather in Russia to get the market and the funds to really say, whoa, this is a big deal, and our supplies are threatened. So that's what we're watching. But demand, I mean, this year, Naomi, from an analyst perspective, I mean, demand's been really good, right? Demand is good. Demand is staying strong. Demand is growing in some cases in terms of uh, feed or even for ethanol. So that is more of a number that I don't think is going to change. I don't see it growing a lot more. But over the past three years, when we've had those low corn prices, the demand has slowly started to grow. But now what we're starting to face is a higher dollar. So that sometimes can affect our exports. We also have a lot of trade drama, which puts a little bit of fear in there. So um, we're keeping an eye on all of those outside market events in order to see where prices can go this summer. And seasonally, you have to also remember it's mid-June to the first to second week of July when the grain markets usually have their summer rally Mm -hmm. and their summer highs. And so you got to be on your toes and be ready to capture that opportunity. It's really important. 
So what should it, what should your we'll get into the trade stuff in just a little bit, Naomi. But then what should your game plan be right now? If you know that there's all these factors, we're seeing volatility back into the market, um, but knowing that we could possibly see a weather scare and weather hit the market in June, July, we could possibly not. You know, there's so many what ifs. What should your marketing plan be? Well, it needs to be stop what you're doing right now and sit down and do some math to where you really understand your cost of production, know where your break-evens are, know where your profit points are, keep an eye on your local basis levels. When you see where the profit points can be and understand potentially how high this market could go and, and the slim odds right now of it going higher than 450, um, you got to make a plan in place of how much you're going to sell to whom and when are you going to let it go? And once you figure that out, call the elevators or the ethanol plants and get your orders in place. That's the key part. you got to get the orders in place, understand what all of those sales will be doing to your overall weighted average price, and don't cancel the orders as the market is starting to rally higher yet. Stick to your plan. Stick to your plan. 450 is a big number, and like I said, in order for this market to even think about going higher than 450, you need bad weather here, bad weather in China, bad weather in Russia, the dollar to come down, and crude oil to keep going higher. So if those five things can happen, you got a chance of higher than 450, but that's a big feat to ask of this market. Do you think enough people really sit down and do them? I mean, we keep talking about break-evens, but truly understanding at the end of the day the true break-even for their operation and then act on that. I mean, are enough people doing it, Naomi? Yeah, here's my guess. I think kind of that they do it once or twice a year, maybe in the winter or something to hand to their lender, but then that's where it sits, on a desk, getting dusty, and it's kind of forgotten about. I think it's something to revisit often. I think it's something to keep fresh in your mind and, and visit it weekly. And it gives you more confidence and courage to pull the trigger and be not emotional about, about the markets and, and selling higher and selling into rallies as they occur. So um, it happens, but not as often as it needs to. You talked about it earlier, but trade. Uh, and Naomi, all of this trade rhetoric back and forth. I mean, we have a story one day and then it changes overnight. That's a challenge covering all of this news, right? I mean, we record a show the day before. <laughs> yeah, like like this is TV magic. You record it the day before and then it goes up to all of our stations, you know, at late at night. And then by the time that happens, things could totally have taken a 180. You know, it's just, it's completely different right now. But it, it is hard. It's hard to keep up on all the headlines. It's hard to keep up on all of the news. But do you think farmers need to be doing that right now with all of this trade rhetoric or kind of wait until a lot of the 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 talk calms and that the, the waters kind of ease and smooth out what, what's your advice well here's what i've been doing i watch it every day i'm you know watching what the president is putting out on twitter i am very aware that it is back and forth but now it's become so much back and forth like the little boy who cried wolf and now i'm just like whatever i don't even hardly care about it because it's going to change in two days i mean i'm watching it i'm aware of it but the marketplace is more becoming immune to it, and it's more like it's saying, all right, let's just keep an eye on the weather. Let's just keep an eye on the exports that are actually going out. And, yeah, we need to be monitoring what's happening there, but there's just so much mishmash back and forth that you can't keep track of it hardly anymore. And until something actually is, like, truly written into stone almost, um, I, I think you just got to, in the short term, take it with a grain of salt, but be aware of it and keep an eye on the weather instead. So you do think kind of the markets become immune to, to to some of this talk? 
Oh, I think so. I think so because, you know, we've had days where, like in early April, where the big trade rhetoric happened and the soybean market moves 50, 60 cents. And now those things are happening with the rhetoric and the talk, but the market is like, well, I'm too scared to trade it because it's probably going to change at night. So, yes, I think it's becoming immune to it, sort of, yes. But what about, let's say we do get an agreement in place. We do get NAFTA, and at the same time, we do work out a deal with China. I mean, do you think, Naomi, that there is room to considerably move higher? Or at this point, weather is is, is kind of more of the market mover? Uh, in the short term, weather is. Um, if all of those things happen in terms of trade and we all get along and it's happy for everyone, um, that's something that affects trade longer term. I think it sets us up for continued friendly markets into 2019, but in the short term, it's not like we're going to quick sell boatloads and boatloads and boatloads of grain across the ocean. It just sets the stage for nice trade for the coming probably five to ten years. So as long as demand can stay strong, but if there's a supply disruption, that's what really gets the bull markets going. So far, we don't have that. And if you look at drought monitor indexes, yeah, it's dry in the plains, no doubt, like the southern plains. But as far as where the corn is grown, there's not really a dramatic weather issue or a story there yet. So we're not set up for a 2012 type of a drought in the major corn growing reasons. So any little weather hiccup we have is going to be an opportunity to get those cash sales made. And mm -hmm. if we have trade issues that go on, it just sets the stage, I think, for 2019 to be something crazy. Mm -hmm. But for the short term, focus on what's available and in front of you and the profits that are going to be there potentially on a summer weather rally. How does the crop look in your backyard, Naomi? I know I was, uh, you know, in this area, things are getting planted. Kind of Michigan was pretty far behind, but now they've been able to play catch up this week. Um, you know, crop looks good near us. I was in northern Illinois just a couple weeks ago, and emergence was, I mean, nearly ideal. It was just, a, you know, not a lot of drowned out spots. I mean, there were a couple places in low-lying areas, uh, but nothing like last year. The crop just looked really good. But I know in kind of the northern Corn Belt, there's been a few more issues. But what about where you are in Wisconsin? Yeah, so where we are, um, that heat wave that we had last weekend was such a, a blessing. And we got a lot of corn and soybeans um, planted. Um, there's maybe just a little bit left here and there are places that were low-lying areas that still needed to dry out, but a good chunk of our crop was caught up. And we, too, have emergencies. I was driving into work today. I've got, you know, a 45-minute commute um, past farm fields. Uh, the emergence is there. It's happening. We've got some timely rains coming. We've got just that right amount of heat and sun, so no weather issues yet in sight. But then you look at some of the two-week and three-week weather forecasts, and they're putting that dome of doom in there as far as heat goes. Perfect timing for a summer weather rally, so keep an eye on all of that. Yeah, so we got condition ratings, and, you know, USDA came out with, like, one of the best condition ratings, initial condition ratings ever. And, you mm -hmm. know, that means, yeah, the crop's off to a good start, but how much stock do you put into that right now, Naomi, this early in the season? That was the first crop rating that we had seen from USDA this year. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a great um, sign to say that everything that is, is going well. I think it's legitimate right now this time of year. And the crop ratings, um, there's always talk back and forth as far as do you follow them? Are they good? Does it matter? But, you know, in the, in the big picture, it just shows in general what the feeling is across the Midwest. And right now the feeling is that the crop is okay. When we get into pollination, then it's going to be a little bit more hairy where people say it's maybe not as good as what we're thinking and those types of things. Um, 
But my biggest fear, and actually I, um, Julianne's husband, Julian Johnson's husband, put this idea in my head. He said, you know, this is going to be a year where we'll end up getting some major weather issues this summer, and it'll be, you know, worse than what we think, but the market's going to think back to last year and assume that the crop is going to be there. So the trade doesn't rally until harvest when they get out into the in the combines and, and the harvest isn't there, and that's when the market says, oh, it really was a bad winter. So I thought, you know, that might be a scenario that happens um, but it's always kind of fun to keep an eye on those weekly crop progress ratings. Yeah. It just keeps us with some perspective, at least. Yeah, some perspective. But you look back at, Na- at last year, Naomi, and, you know, we had some poor crop condition ratings out there, yet we had a record corn crop. So, you mm-hmm. know, at the same time, how – I mean, I know you can't put a lot of stock into them now, but what's your advice for producers the rest of the year if they're kind of taking a look at some of these crop condition ratings? I mean, do they even matter at the end of the day? Um, Here's my feeling on it. I got burned on it last year. Um, So I'm a little bit bitter towards it, honestly, because I was looking at historical stats to say, well, the crop progress ratings were X, Y, Z. And if you compare that to the past 10 years where it was similar, the yields were less than trendline. And so last year it didn't hold true. So my big, I used to be really, really into them and appreciate them and thought it was like the Bible kind of a thing, but not so much anymore. I don't discard them by any means because people put a lot of time and effort into creating those reports. Um, But I don't think they carry the weight or the merit that they used to years ago. Naomi, to end, to wrap up our conversation, we talked a lot about markets, but you know, I think you're a great example of a woman in agriculture who has been able to to make a career for herself in agriculture and done a really good job and just you know treating people fairly, really not letting you know you have a have a huge heart and you allow your heart to be part of the conversation. And I love that about you is you are so passionate. You don't try to put that aside. You really um, you know care about your clients, you care about your customers, you care about all, all of everyone in agriculture. And so that's what makes conversations with you so nice because they are real and they're raw. And that's what I appreciate. But, oh, you know, what is your advice then for other women in agriculture, Naomi, Naomi, maybe some who are just getting started, or maybe some women out there that are on the farm that are saying, listen, I want to do more marketing. I want to do more of this in my operation. Uh, you know, what is your advice for them? Oh, I would definitely say if you, if you know if you know in your heart that it's something that you want to do, you want to be more of uh, like more a part of, you want to be in charge of it or take it over, stick with it every day. Um, network, meet the people who are important to all facets of like a farm operation or your elevator or people in your community, people in the industry, and make those networking bridges very strong and never, never give up. It's not like it was when I think Tyne, you and I started in the industry years ago, the rules are different and they are more favorable for us. Um, not necessarily that we have a advantage given to us by any means, but the, level, the playing fields have truly leveled. And so you can just, if you, if you do all your steps right, if you do your homework, if you're not showy, if you're not brassy, if you're not ostentatious, you know, you can really make headway by just doing your work Mm-hmm. doing it every day, mm-hmm. live your dream, live your creed, and and be ethical. That's the most important part. Right. And always, always treat people that you like you would want to be treated. And if you do all of those things, you can soar. You can go as high as you want. And um, 
That was a really nice compliment, Ty, and thanks. Oh, no. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, that. I mean, I just, I think you're a perfect example of, you know, you have your passion and you have feelings and you have a heart and you let that show. And, and that's okay. I feel like some women in agriculture think they have to bury that because it makes them vulnerable or something. But I think you're a perfect example of how you embrace it and it actually shows how much you do care. Yeah, and, you know, years ago, I think I didn't as much, but then I became, uh, you know, just more aware of who I was as an individual, and mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I like me, people like me, and it's okay, I'm going to just continue to be me, because then I am confident in the steps going forward, because I'm okay. So <laughs> if you can, as a you know woman, just be yourself, be your authentic self, and treat people well, and you'll go far. It's okay to be yourself. Naomi, words to live by. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tyne. This was great. Good luck with everything. Aw, thank you. Well, that does it for this edition of No Man's Land. Make sure to tune in again next week as we'll have more to cover. Until then, be safe out there. Behind your eyes, way you're talking. It's a cheap disguise. We were made to chase the light. But you